Welcome to Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. And today we are doing just that. This is Ask Scanner School Volume 37. Also, session 198 of the Scanner School podcast. Hard to believe we are slowly or quickly at this point, reaching episode number 200. So today I answer your questions. And again, you can find more resources over at our website at scannerschool.com slash session 198 for today's podcast episode. Today's podcast is sponsored by our two brand new training courses. Our free SDR course, The Ultimate Beginner's Guide to Software Fine Radio, will get you started with SDRs in an afternoon. We will show you what hardware and accessories to buy to get started with Software Defined Radio. Then we'll show you the step-by-step how-to to to install the drivers, tune your first frequency with SDR Sharp, and then have you monitoring digital at the end of this free course. Our advanced course continues with beginner's course left off and levels up your SDR experience. In this course, you'll learn even more about software-defined radio. We will show you how you can substitute an SDR for your high-end digital scanner, how to monitor HD radio, monitor trunk systems and overhead data with Unitrunker, and even how to monitor all the talk groups on a system and never miss a beat with SDR trunk. You can sign up for both courses at courses.scannerschool.com. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com slash Patreon or www.scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pascoe, David C., Danny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Floyd Goff, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, James Broxson, James Felling, James Peruta, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, John Kordoff, John Keel, John Swinney, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lynn Smith, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Randy Cummins, Raymond Hill, Robert, Robert Kanzler, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Terry Weatherford, Tim Mazza, TJ, Todd Glendai, and William Arcand. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. 
So welcome to Scanner School. This podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my arbitrator call sign is W2LIE. Now, as a reminder, I am always looking for more questions to answer on these types of podcast episodes. So if you can go to scannerschool.com slash ask. You can submit your questions right now via our SpeakPipe link. You can leave me a email or if you pick up the phone and dial 516-308-2885, you can leave me a voicemail. Now, if you leave me a voicemail with SpeakPipe or our local number here in the US, I'll put you in running for a free tutoring session. And that's what we have today. We've got four voicemails these are people who are asking their questions in their own words, and I will, of course, be answering them in my own words. But if you want to answer me questions live, again, we've got a tutoring session that we can give to you, or we have a live session on the first Tuesday of every month over on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you can't catch it live, you can always catch a replay. So make sure you follow us over on YouTube, click on subscribe, click on the bell, you know when we go live. And of course, those of you who are Patreon, extra credit or above members, that's right, I said above, there's some extra tiers in Patreon now. Go check that out at scanschool.com slash Patreon because now we've got exclusive merchandise that we are actually giving you for being a Patreon supporter. Again, we have our extra credit and above session that follows the public one every first Tuesday as well. So... With all that now out of the way and all the housekeeping taken care of, let's go on to our very first question of the week. This one comes in from Jim. Jim, it is great to hear you again. And thank you for all your support in the podcast. Really do appreciate it. And uh, I'm really glad I got to answer another one of your questions. So, Jim, go ahead. The mic is now yours. And please ask your question. Hello, Phil. This is Jim Perutacon. I have a question for you. On my SDS 200, there's an Ethernet cable on the front, lower right. I've hooked it up, and I've, I see that it communicates. But what can I do with that Etherport connection? I know I can program the scanner, but is there any Internet connectivity that I can do with this scanner? Looking forward to your answer. Thank you very much for all you do. Jim, that's a great question. So the Ethernet port that's located on the front panel of the SDS-200 is kind of a uh, little wacky design there. I know a lot of people wish that was on the back of the radio. I am one of those as well. But really, what can you do with that front Ethernet port? It's mainly there so you can control the scanner with your computer or you can remote access into the uh, scanner, basically. And what's really nice about it, though, is that, well, is it nice or is it not nice about it? Let's put it this way. The Ethernet port replaces the Wi-Fi adapter that came with the BCD536HP. So while the 536HP had an external Wi-Fi port that was over the USB connection in the back of the scanner, the SDS200 actually just has Ethernet on the front. So if you do want Wi-Fi, well, you'll have to get an Ethernet to Wi-Fi adapter. I know a lot of people are actually doing that, and it's a really cool way of actually bringing Ethernet over to the SDS-200. But in reality, it's just a local connection. The nice thing about it, though, is not only does it allow you to have serial data, such as what the, uh, the scanner is doing, 
but it also brings over audio as well. So if you have the scanner on your local home network, you can easily tap into data and voice or data and audio on that scanner. You don't need to actually tie up a audio input port on the back of your computer or your laptop in order to record audio or stream audio or listen remotely with your scanner. So for example, if you use software like ProScan, you used to have to on other radios, right? You would bring in a serial connector or a USB connector to the radio, and then you would run a line out from the scanner and into a line in or a mic in on your computer, and then you would have to bring in that and associate the pair together. But now what we could do in ProScan is you open up the TCP port, and you can basically say, okay, my scanner is on this TCP port or TCP address on my local LAN. And then the same thing with the audio. It's going to be the same port. And bada bing, bada boom, right? You're all set up. Very simple setup when it comes to that. Uh, of course, again, you can control the scanner such as you can pause it. You can resume it. You can basically raise and lower the volume, change the squelch, just like you were sitting in front of the scanner, but you can actually do it from software. So imagine maybe a newsroom that has, uh, I don't know, a bank of these things, and they can be set up Maybe four radios are all set up, and they can be plugged into a switch in a network room or something like that. A network room might be a little bit too noisy as far as RF environment, but you get the idea, right? You can, it can all be set up on your LAN, and you can connect to it. But the other thing that you can do to this, which is a little bit crazy to set up, though, is you can actually plug it directly into your computer over the LAN port. Now, this is going to require you to not only set up the LAN setting in the scanner manually, but you're also going to need to set it up manually in your computer. You can basically need to tell it that you don't have a, um, a DNS server set up. You need to set up your port, uh, your IP address, basically, and your gateway and your routing table. Is it the routing table? Is the gateway, basically. Uh, your subnet mask is what I was thinking about. So you need to set up your your uh, your IP address, your subnet mask, and your, your gateway. Same on the desktop or your laptop side as well. So it is possible, but it's definitely much easier just to plug it into a router port or something like that or a switch port on your home network. Now, again, once you've got the computer on your home network, you could be on a laptop in another room. You could be serving this out to the internet using ProScan. The sky is basically the limit when it comes to that. And there's even some other interfaces that are coming out, such as, I believe, TouchScanner, which also allows you to play around as well. In fact, I have a box sitting right over my shoulder from TouchScanner, which is basically a heads-up display and a touch interface for the STS-200 that I am getting ready to test. So uh, I haven't gotten there yet, but it was delivered the last week or so, and we'll let you know how that works as well. So Again, if you want to set up the uh, firmware upgrades and like that, you still need to use the uh, USB connection on the, on the scanner. But as far as everything else goes, you're good to go on that uh, serial port so uh, or that, that uh, Ethernet port. So go ahead, give it a shot, and uh, let us know if you are actually using it. Great question, Jim. And there's definitely plenty more hints, tips, and tricks and oddball stuff when it comes to the SDS-200. So again, Jim, great question. Thank you so much for asking it. Okay, our next question comes from Garrett. Again, Garrett is a strong supporter of the Scanner School podcast. Love hearing from you, Garrett. And uh, you definitely do ask some very tough questions, but I do enjoy listening to them. This one, though, hopefully not so tough because it sounds like you and I have pretty much the same systems. So, Garrett, go ahead and ask your question. Hi, Phil. This is Garrett coming to you from the San Francisco Bay Area with a question. 
I've been a longtime scanner listener of the CHP, the California Highway Patrol. And I like to do this because when I'm traveling throughout the state, I like to get a heads up on any traffic incidents or problems that might be on the roads ahead of me toward my destination. If you look on radio reference, you'll notice that the CHP has bases, mobiles, extenders, and even alternate and primary extenders. And I'm just wondering if I can tighten up and be more efficient about how I scan the CHP. I think maybe it might be better if I just scan the base frequencies so that I just hear the dispatch calls and maybe nothing that's extraneous to that. And I want to draw your attention to, if you look at the radio reference wiki, there is a great post about the CHP, their radio system, and a great beginner's guide. So I just want to make sure that you're aware of that as it might be helpful in answering my question. So anyway, ultimately, I'm just curious your thoughts, opinions, and ideas on whether I'm scanning this correctly. Thanks again, Phil, for all you do. I love the show. All right, Garrett. So I did look this up over on Radio Reference, and thank you so much for letting me know about the wiki page. And once I went through it, I realized that the New York State Police and the California State Police are very, very similar as to how they're set up. While the uh, California State Police are still using low band, New York State Police are using VHF. But other than that, pretty much the exact same scenario here. So what I do on my scanners is how I'm going to tell you how I would set up your scanner for California. So looking at the CHP page over on Radio Reference, we notice that we've got a base frequency, we've got mobile frequencies, okay, and we have extenders. The other thing we've got to look out for, though, is I've noticed that there are county systems or regional systems, basically trunk systems, that CHP also utilizes. And the same thing happens here in the New York State Police. So let's talk about how New York State Police operate. And this is going to translate very well to California State PD, which is mind-baffling that they still operate this way, but it's the way they do business. So in New York, we have several troops. We also have common frequencies between the troops. These are statewide, right? They don't work statewide. They're just licensed statewide. So we have here, for example, Troop L has a base or a dispatch frequency. This is where Troop L from a high point or a high tower will reach out and dispatch the units in the field, the cars. The cars respond on a separate car frequency or a separate mobile frequency. Now here on Long Island, there's, there's the same frequency, but separated by PL codes. But that's a moot point, right? We're not going to worry about that. We're looking at just the frequency use right now. So what actually ends up happening is if you want to hear the dispatcher, you have to listen to one frequency. If you want to hear the response from the mobiles, you have to listen to a secondary frequency. How do I set up my scanners in order to do this? Because again, if you put a delay on each frequency, you could and probably will miss the response on the secondary frequency. And then if you don't set your scanner up to make sure that it's looping back through, you'll completely miss the rest of the conversation while your scanner goes on to scan other things, other banks, other systems, right? 
So what we want to do is we want to not only make sure that we get off of the transmitting frequency as soon as they de-key so we can get onto the other frequency, but we want to hang around for another two or three seconds basically in that bank to see what's going on. So what I do is I have a bank set up or a scan list set up, favorites list set up, whatever you want to say, with a zero delay time on each frequency, but a two to three second hold time on that group. So what I'll do is I'll put it in all the dispatch channels and all of the uh, mobile channels, and then I set them up so that they only scan each other. This essentially creates a loop in the scanner before it moves on. Now, if you don't have a radio that has dynamic programming like an SDS 100, 200, a 436, a 536, or even uh, you know a 325, 996, 396, BCT 15, all those... In other words, if you have a radio that's got a hard-coded bank, what I was doing with those radios as well is I would take all 100 channels in that bank and repeat the mobiles and base stations over and over and over and over and over again to fill the bank. With the idea is hopefully you would catch that transmission somewhere in the beginning of the bank scan and then you'd have a chance towards the end of the bank scan to pick up the rest of the transmission. It wasn't as good as the dynamic scanning uh, radios, but it did at least help with the success rate of getting those. Then on top of that, you have to worry about the mobile extenders, or do you? See, I wouldn't worry about mobile extenders, and I'm going to explain what those are. So in both New York and in California, there are 700 megahertz mobile extenders, and what that basically is is a trunk-mounted repeater. That's all it really is. So when the police officer leaves his trooper vehicle, he then doesn't have the mobile radio and the high power to get back to not only to base, but to hear what other units are doing. Imagine this guy is running from his radio or he's doing a license check or he's right talking to the driver and something important comes over the air and he's got to respond to it. What the mobile extender allows him to do is basically transmit on a 700 megahertz frequency on their hip. It's received by the mobile extender. It's basically a trunk-mounted repeater. And then it repeats out through the main mobile frequency up on the VHF channel or the low-band channel. And that's really what it is. So basically, you've got to be really, really, really close to the RMP in order to hear the mobile extenders. So I wouldn't even bother putting them in, to be honest with you, unless, of course, you live right off the parkway. So don't worry about it. Finally, the trunk radio systems. If you live in an area that the state police utilize tow groups on a trunk system, take advantage of that. Most of the times, especially out here on, on, on New York systems, the state PD will actually use the county facilities, the county tow groups, as opposed to their own VHF channels. So think about that. Okay, make sure you've got them programmed in as well. Another thing to note here also on Long Island is we've got a Parkways frequency which operates in Simplex, and that is where the both mobile and base operate on the exact same frequency. So we've got duplex setup where we've got one transmit, one receive, two different frequencies, and then we've got a true simplex where both mobile and base use the exact same frequency. They have mobile extenders. And they utilize the trunk radio systems to communicate as well. So there is a lot in there. Like I said, what I would do, exactly how I said I would do it, would be just create a, a mobile and a base. 
have them loop through for a little bit with a hold time, leave out the mobile extenders, and then also make sure you've got those trunk systems set up, but not in the same area you've got the delay time. You don't want to hold on that trunk system. The scanner is going to take care of that for you when you put the delay time in that talk group. All right? So really great question, Garrett. I hope that really helps you clear things up and uh, gets you really listening to the uh, California Highway Patrol and have a better success at picking up both sides of the transmission. All right. On the other side of this break, we're going to answer two more questions. And as a reminder, for those who are a $3 or above podcast supporter over on Patreon, you don't get this break. So for everyone else, we will catch you after these messages. And for those Patreon supporters who don't get the commercial break, we'll be right back. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases, and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every scanner reader user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware, or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works, the podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session 
And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. All right, our next question comes in from Les. Les is up in Canada. And again, Les, I want to thank you so much for being a constant supporter of the podcast. So Les, go ahead and ask your question. Hello, Phil. It's Les Stevens. I have a question for you for um, Ask School. First of all, just think any time down the road or here to come, there'll ever be a scanner made to match uh, SDR, SDR dongle. Just wondering, it's a curious idea that that that's the coverage that the air goggles will do. Also, um, I'm having a problem with the uh, 435 scan, four, uh, the 436 even, uh, Bearcat scanner. Every once in a while, it'll start going into scan, scan and search, and I can't get it to uh, go to scan only. Keep my logs in, it keeps uh, going to scan and search. Any ideas? Great questions, Les, especially that second one you got there. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that search and scan in just one second. But will there be any scanners out there that will work like an SDR? So the SDS-100 and the SDS-200 is basically built around an SDR platform, which is how it works and why it works well in simulcasts. And that it's a little bit different with the filterings and it doesn't work so well when you are close to a signal. And there's a lot of different issues with that SDS-100 and SDS-200 because of its back end, its SDS, or its SDR, I guess you could say fork, right, is how it's working there. And that's really where the SDS comes from, right? It's a software digital scanner, maybe it stands for. I don't know what exactly it stands for, but software-defined scanner, that's probably what it stands for. So so there we go with that one. But are there scanners built around an SDS? Well, there is software out there that you know obviously makes your SDR work like a scanner, such as OP25, Trunk SDR, SDR Sharp, SDR++, SDR Uno, SDR Console, HDSDR, right? DSD+. Unitrunker, right? But what about the actual hardware that works like one? Something you could look at too is uh, P25RX by Blue Tail Technologies. That is pretty much an SD, SDR in a case that you would pre-program up using your computer, which is going to be set up some, similar to EasyScan. And then you would then use that uh, that module to scan. And again, built around an SDR. I think that's an early stage of what is to come. Again, I strongly have a feeling, and I, and I have nothing to prove this otherwise, but there's going to be something out there based on an SDR that is going to shake the scanner radio market. It's, that is just the natural progression of where I see the hobby going. We've got Uniden, right? We've got Whistler. 
who hasn't come out with a scanner since basically they recycled the uh, WS-1098, became the uh, the TRX-1 and TRX-2, right? The TRX-100-200, you know, that went away. They, they just couldn't keep it going. But somebody's going to come out with something. I, I don't know who it's going to be. It could be some guy in his garage working like Apple and, you know, something like that. But there will be, you mark my words, there will be an SDR flavored scanner coming out. And again, if somebody's working on one and they've got a Kickstarter set up somewhere, I'll back it. I would love to see something like going and um, it, it would be really cool to see. Will it have name recognition and all this other stuff? I mean, it could be that, that you know, the Blue Tail Technologies is uh, – is is starting this is rev one possibly right i don't i don't really know but it's definitely really cool to find out where they might be in a year or five from now that's for sure and i'm looking right now over at the blue tail technologies webpage, and unfortunately last few since you're up in canada it says it only ships to usa right now so you'd have to get a p.o box over in the states or uh find somebody to uh, ship it up to you i guess but uh but yeah that's 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 a you know a first thing to look at here but again the blue tail technologies box is basically p25 phase one phase two uh tdma control channels which was one of the very first units to actually support the brand new p25 tdma control channel it does dmr connect plus as well so there's a lot here and uh you guys can go grab it right online over at bluetailtechnologies.com i don't have one of these yet it's definitely on my, my wish list and uh once i get one though we'll definitely do a thorough review on our youtube channel and also for the podcast episodes uh to answer your second question Olaz, about search with scan on the bcd 436 hp so you can actually set the search with scan on if you go to your select list to monitor so i'm going to do it right now and and we'll walk you through it so i've got my bcd 436 in my hand and as i'm stalling is is because i'm powering it up right now and what we're going to do is we're going to go into menu and then we go into set scan selection we're going to scroll down to select list to monitor and the second one down is called search with scan. Make sure that is turned off. Okay. Now, the other thing we want to remember, though, is there's two places to turn lists off and on. There's the main menu like this, the GUI. But you can also map this to keys. So make sure you didn't set a scan selection key to a, a group key. What you also want to look at, too, is when you go into basically your search for dot, dot, dot window, Make sure you come in here and you click on set uh, edit custom and then pick the custom you want. And you can also scroll down to uh, there is at the very bottom search with scan. Make sure you set the avoid on there to permanent avoid for each one of those groups. That'll actually lock that out as well. And also you can really turn them off as well by going to search for again dot 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 search with scan set avoid and just set that to permanent avoid and you'll, you'll permanent avoid all those as well. So there's a lot in there that we can turn off and turn on and, and how to get in there, but uh, make sure you've got them in there. And again, the search keys on the front, right? If you hit function one, function two, function three, those are also fast search keys. So make sure you didn't toggle them off and on also. So you can also map those into the uh, search close call options. So several different ways you can go in there and do it. I know it could be a pain and that could be quite a bit of a nuisance. So just make sure that you've got them disabled that way. And that should definitely clear that up for you. Again, Les, thank you so much for being a support. Hope things are well up there in Canada. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. All right, we got one more question in this week. And it comes from Bill. Bill, go ahead and ask your question. 
Hi, Phil. Uh, Bill Sawyer here. Have a question. I'm moving to a county in rural Tennessee that just had their police radio system shut down. I don't know the details of what failed, but I know it's pretty much catastrophic. At the same time, there's a sheriff's countywide that is straight analog. The police was straight analog. And of course, we have the uh, Tennessee authority, which is P25. So I read something that I thought was interesting. The uh, county mayor said that the price difference was so large between analog and digital that they couldn't afford it. And yet elsewhere, I saw that they got somewhere between half a million and $800,000 in grants. So I'm wondering, if you had two towers, you had six police cars, how expensive would a system like that be? And how much more expensive would a P25 system be? Thank you very much. All right, Bill. Really interesting question here. I don't have anything as far as specifics as far as how much one would cost over the other, but I can break down the theory and the cost analysis as far as what would probably cost more and what wouldn't just based on a couple of things here. So let's take a look at this. We have an analog system, uh, an existing analog system, right? Let's put it that way. What would it cost to get one back online? So is probably the cheaper route, to be honest with you, to go back to an analog if they can still retain those licenses. And if it's, you know, they may have to pay for equipment that's also capable of doing digital, you don't know. But let's just say it's just a plug and play, right? They pull out the old system, they put in the new system. Again, it may be receivers, it could be transmitters, it could be all the hard lines, it could be jumper cables, it could be the antenna could have could have gone bad. You said catastrophic failure, does that mean that it is struck by lightning, power surge, Right, it it could be any part of that transmitter side could have gone. It could have been something on the back end too, not just exactly the transmitter. It could have been something in a dispatching center, right? I fail to believe that they are completely without radios right now. They've got to be up on the air on some place. But as far as paying for it, I would I would bet to say that the cheapest way around it would be an analog system. But let's just say here, maybe they're using, and again, I didn't look this up, but I'm just assuming here, maybe they're on low band. And Motorola said, no, 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 we're not doing low band anymore, right? They've already said that. And your county wants to go back to Motorola as opposed to going to say something like Kenwood or Johnson that does support low band equipment. Then, of course, then you're not only looking at a new repeater system, but a new antenna, new filter systems, and, of course, new radios because you have to have the old radios. Won't If they're on low band, won't work on VHF or UHF, right? So it could be one of those things as well. Let's take a look here also at the P25 difference. Well, it costs a lot more to go P25 than it does to go straight analog. And they're looking for like an APX unit. You could be thousands of dollars per radio. And of course, if you're looking for PD, they've got a portable and a mobile, right? So how do we cut back on expenses like this? Well, you said there's only six police cars and there's only two towers. But again, these two towers have to be linked up somehow. And what's the backhaul? Are they Ethernet? Are they microwave? Right? There's a whole lot that comes in, in, into play here. But one of the ways that they could really limit things, and again, trunk systems can cost a lot of money just on their own. Think about labor, and having somebody on call 24-7 or paying somebody on the books 
within the PD or paying a, a consulting company or radio shop to man it for you, right? What a lot of places are doing that I'm finding out, especially in rural areas such as Kentucky, right, is they are jumping onto somebody else's existing system, but extending it out for their own use. For example, you could have a county that's got a fully functional P25 system. They've got the whole backbone, right? Basically, the whole over-the-air interface, the database, the whole deal, all the sites. But instead of the neighboring county paying for all that infrastructure, what they're basically doing is paying to have that infrastructure extended into their county with a new site. Now, the original the original uh, backbone now extends into a neighboring county. The first county can now travel into the second county and still use their radios now. And the secondary county has the basically the discounted expense of getting on the air because all that back-end hard stuff is already in place, paid for. I'm sure they're going to pay a leasing service to the primary county, but it's a lot less to get on there. So again, I don't really know what the cost is to build out one of these systems. I would think in the neighborhood of 800000 would be about what it would cost. But again, I don't really know. And again, there's going to be years of testing on this as well. Pretty big build out. There's, there's a lot of a lot of it's not just the two sites. There's also receiver sites and areas that they're going to need coverage in, and it ends up being a, a lot of a pain in the neck to do that. So I'm curious to know what what they're doing to get back on the air right now, Bill. As opposed, because I, I, I know they're not just off the air for good. This could also be an indicator that they're going to just jump onto a leased system. Uh, again, a, a system like a um, you know like a two-way radio shop has their own DMR network, and they're just going to jump on there. Like with with the rest of the bus companies, the new oil delivery companies, and stuff like that. This also could be indicated they want to just jump on FirstNet. Uh, again, that's FirstNet is a prime example of what it was built for, just like this, right? Get public safety onto a network without them having their own network. So they do have options. It could be again that the mayor they he understands things, but he understands things just enough to be dangerous and 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 speak publicly about them. And I'm sure that there's a lot more people that are going to chime into exactly what it's going to be. I'll go to a vote. They'll get a bond hearing. You said they already do have a bond, but I, I'd love to know what else they have planned and up their sleeve on this one. It sounds like there's a lot more to be determined here as far as everything else goes. But again, what I would think would be the cheapest way into it to, to sum this one up, I would think jumping right back on the old analog frequencies would probably be the cheapest way to get onto it. Most expensive way would be to build a whole P25 trunking infrastructure. Next cheapest way would be to basically extend out a neighboring county's P25 system into their own county. So with that, I would like to thank Jim, Garrett, Les, and Bill, the four of you for asking your questions. And we are now going to pick a winner for the free consulting call. All right, so here we go. Who will win this month's free touring session? So I've got four names in order. One, two, three, four, Jim, Garrett, Les, and Bill. I put each into a spreadsheet. Again, one, two, three, four, Jim, Garrett, Les, and Bill. And we have a random number generator set up for one, two, three, four. So I am going to press the button five times. This will allow the random number generator to do its thing and not really be like, oh, it just launched up and it's on number one and that's where it's going to stay or you just don't know what these things are. So I'm going to go ahead, press the button five times. We'll let it refresh. We'll see who wins. And uh, here we go. So one, two, three, four, five. Garrett, Garrett, you are this month's 
winner of the free tutoring session, being that you paid for them in the past. And I definitely do appreciate that very much. You know how to book one. So reach out to me directly. I will give you your coupon code. So you can go online. You can go to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. You can put in your coupon code that I will give you. And you can book your free tutoring session for the month. Again, I want to thank Jim, Garrett, Les, and Bill for asking your questions. And if you've got any questions that you'd like to have me answer, please go to scannerschool.com slash ask or leave us a voicemail over at 516 308 2885. And don't forget, if you're listening to this live, you can watch or ask questions tonight over on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you catch us over on one of those. And you can always catch a replay. And for anybody who is a Patreon, extra credit or above, don't forget we are doing our roundtable as well. So remember, if you know somebody that would benefit from this week's podcast, please share it with them. That is how we grow the podcast. That is how we help more people. And that is the goal of the podcast is to help as many people as possible with answering their questions. So please share the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please retweet the tweets for the podcast if you are following us over on Twitter. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure that you share this on Facebook and forums and websites and in groups. And we will catch you all on our live Q&A session hopefully tonight. Again, my name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. 73, everyone.